At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body. Through powerful tools such as mindfulness, stress reduction techniques, and mindful movement, You'll learn to eat, move, feel, and live in the moment. Visit www.fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita. And let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 44 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I am ecstatic to finally share this episode with you because... I personally finally got to talk to someone that I have gotten to know over the years, thanks to social media. Her name is Fiona Sutherland, and she's a dietitian in Australia. And this um, podcast has given me the opportunity to finally be able to talk to her. And um, I feel like this podcast gave us a reason to finally connect live. And she's going to help us with today's letter. And um, I think you'll find from listening to today's letter that a lot of us, including this letter writer, and maybe you too, are stuck in our heads and the knowledge that we have cultivated about food. And oftentimes that knowledge conflicts with itself and then keeps us from being able to go anywhere with it. So let's get right to it in today's letter. Dear Food, I think I know too much about you. I think back to the days when I used to eat with joy, still being mindful of my nutrition, but indulging when I wanted to and savoring every bite. 
Now, even foods that I have in the past considered healthy, I look at them with fear and suspicion. These are known allergens. Will they upset my digestive system? Will they affect my liver and my intestines and influence my bowel movements? Will they make my skin break out or affect my hormones? Will they cause my blood sugar to spike? I used to enjoy drinking coffee so much, and now even one coffee with milk makes me stress out before I even drunk it. Foods that are plant-based also make me worry because I'm concerned about portion control, or I think some of these are probably going to hurt me. Maybe I shouldn't be eating them. I have learned so much about nutrition in the past few years and hear everyone talking about whether or not you should eat things like bread, dairy, grains, even some fruits and vegetables. It used to be okay to indulge every now and then, but with all the alternatives out there now and all the knowledge we have, even having one ice cream that isn't dairy-free or one pizza that isn't gluten-free base and vegan cheese feels totally sinful. Food, I guess I struggle with knowing that so many of you are not considered healthy anymore and that when I make the conscious choice to consume you anyway, despite knowing all that I know, the guilt is worse than ever. Like, I'm choosing to eat this even though I know it's not healthy and will affect my body in a negative way. But now I feel like I can't eat anything without worrying or feeling guilty or like I could have done better somehow. Is it like losing your innocence food? Will you always be an enemy and never an ally? Do I know too much to ever truly enjoy you again? Sincerely, I think I know too much. Before I explore this episode's letter, I want to share a word from this episode's sponsor who has a special promotion just for Love Food listeners. This episode is sponsored by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body in Ludlow, Vermont. For over 40 years, Green Mountain has developed sustainable, non-diet strategies for women who struggle with weight, emotional and binge eating, and feelings of addiction. Last year, Green Mountain opened its Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating, the only clinical program in the nation dedicated solely to women suffering with binge eating disorder and emotional eating. Ready to set yourself free from dieting and restrictions, untruths and fads? Visit www.fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information about Green Mountain at Fox Run and the Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating. Right now, receive a free room upgrade and a $250 weekly credit toward amenities and professional services when you stay a week or more before Saturday, December 17th. Restrictions apply. Visit www.fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Now, let's explore this week's letter. Hey there, letter writer. I think you do know too much. And, you know, honestly... One of the occupational hazards with being a dietitian is knowing way more than our bodies probably were designed to know about food. The thing that's really neat about our body, though, is that we have these different ways of knowing what the right thing to do for us is. We have a brain. We have a fabulous brain that helps us to rationalize and be logical and take into information but we also have intuition. We have our gut. You know, we have things that help us through different mechanisms that are, you know, just so fabulously intricate that come out to be so simple that help us to know what to eat. So then we are um, satisfied and feel full. Those are also things that 
I think are just as important as the knowledge. And so when you say that you probably know too much, I think I agree with you because it doesn't appear that you're using this other side, this other way of knowing how much and what to eat. And it's like the pleasure is gone. And I'm a firm believer that healthy eating does include pleasure. And when we take the pleasure out, we take out nutrition. We're taking out the nutritious side of eating. So I want to hear a little bit more from a colleague of mine. Um, I call her my Australian soul sister. <laughs> her name is Fiona Sutherland. She's a dietitian um, like me that enjoys cussing and um, is also uh, body positive, weight neutral in her approach. So um, she is in Australia. So hopefully I'm calling her at a time when she's available and it's not like in the middle of the night or something crazy. But anyway, let's give her a call and find out you know, just some insight that she has about exactly what you're talking about, letter writer. I think you're going to find her um, insight different and super insightful. Hello. Hi, Fiona. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Julie. How are you? I'm doing so good. I can't believe that we're actually talking live and you're in Australia and I'm in the US. This is so great. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, I'm enjoying the following day. And what I can tell you is it's a lovely sunny day. So that's what you can expect tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That just is so crazy. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come. um, Well, I said come on the show (laughs) to to talk to us on the show and um, help me with this letter. Did you get a chance? to read it? I did. And thank you so much for having me. I'm just so thrilled to be here, Julie, and chatting with you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, from reading this letter, what's your impression on what this person is experiencing? Yeah, well, the first thing that really popped into my mind is just how common it is these days that, um, you know, people are absorbing so much information. You know, it's all around us. It's in the media. It's in, you know, anything we pick up, anything we watch, there's all different kinds of nutrition information. So the first thing really that I felt when I read the letter was I felt just a great deal of compassion for this reader because, um I think that, you know, she, she's not alone, not by a long shot. She's, you know, she, she's in a vast majority of people that I see. And I, I, I was hoping that she might be able to find some room for some compassion for herself um, because I think that, you know, when we can, when we can take away the you know, blaming ourselves for, um, you know, for things that haven't gone the way we wished or getting ourselves all caught up in, you know, nutrition information and um, food rules, I think it stops us from being able to find a way forward, you know, when we're blaming ourselves and heaping shame and guilt and all that kind of stuff. So um, so I'm hoping she can find a little space for kindness amongst them and understand that, you know, she's not by herself, not at all. Yeah. You know, what you were saying, I totally agree with. And I think something that I, I just – just totally sucks about the way food rules are now is that when it comes down to it, just like this letter writer describes, it's impossible. It's literally impossible to follow every single one because they conflict each other. And so it sounds like it's almost inevitable to get to this place if you're not like aware of it, that you're going to end up like blaming yourself and like self-loathing and 
I just can't imagine trying to survive in this world without having that compassion because again, like it's impossible to follow all of the food rules. There's just too many, <laughs> you know, we got too many rules. Absolutely. And what you were saying about them being really confusing and conflicting. And I think what that does is it, um, it throws us away from our center from our wisdom and from um, the ability to listen to our experience and to um, and to our body, you know, when we're when we're getting all stuck in our head, it really blocks us off from listening to our body. And then the more we try to follow rules, the more we are in our head, and then the less we are in our body, and it tends to go in a cycle. The letter writer really is what she's demonstrating. It's really what so many people experience when they get themselves caught up in what is a pursuit of health, but actually it makes them absolutely miserable. So I think that, you know, the the first thing to acknowledge is that humans, we enjoy certainty and control, basically. Mm -hmm. And because we tend to believe that we can shape our outcomes, you know, we and then we get what we wish for. You know, we, we, we're in control of how we feel, maybe how our body looks, um, the health of our body. There's this perception that if we only know enough and if we do enough, then we can somehow control outcomes. And the irony of it is that we tend to also then feel good about being in control short term because um, it gives us like a sense of competence, a sense of like we're doing something um, good for ourselves. Um, and I guess the other thing is also if we're in control, then somebody else isn't, right? You know, we're making all the decisions for ourselves. But unfortunately, when it comes to food, the seeking of control, it really undermines our ability to make those choices from a place of wisdom. And particularly if it's repetitive sort of control and we're kind of intellectualizing our way through our food choices, then it can just, yeah, make our lives hell pretty much you know um little let alone other people's lives too you know we can kind of become a boring dinner party person <laughs> yes that's exactly it um isn't that like the most boring dinner experience when especially as dietitians people want to know like what do we think about this food and you know blah 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 and, and all these different diets and and uh, you know I'm like oh my gosh there's so many other things in the world to talk about right now we have like an election going on that's pretty important <laughs> you know like let's talk about that instead instead of like whether or not this is gluten free yeah absolutely and do you know what the funny thing is julie and this is between you me and all your <laughs> podcast listeners basically is <laughs> half the time i don't even really know like when they're, you know, asking about quite complex questions or a certain um, health condition, I think to myself, oh, dear, there's my five-year degree down the drain because I really don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and often, um, I'll, I, rather than making something up, I'll, I'll just say, look, in all honesty, I, I don't know. And I would suggest you don't Dr. Google it because you'll probably end up getting even more confused about you know, what you're, mm -hmm. what you're, what you're asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think what oh, the thing for you and me is that we're in a place where we really value that innate wisdom more than anything Dr. Google could say anyway, even if it was like, 
um, I don't know if all these things come, there was a grain of truth in, in, in them. When it comes down to it, when we try to control something that was never intended to be controlled, you know, it's messing with it and right. making it a big old mess, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so what, and this letter writer really, she's written it so beautifully, you know, you can really feel her anguish in the letter. And I think, you know, if if your letter writer was in front of me, what I would be asking, some questions I might be asking her are things like, you know, when was the last time you remember trusting your body? Because what we what we know is that we're born with this innate wisdom. Um, a lot of your listeners will be probably have heard about um, Ellen Satter and all of her uh, brilliant work. And we know that we're born with this ability to tune in to our body and respond to what it needs and wants at any one time. And then, of course, over time, um, you know, we hear things like finishing, finish everything on your plate or you can't possibly be hungry um, and, it, and it knocks us off our, our intuitive centre. Um, and then, unfortunately, the more knowledge and the more education we try to give ourselves, it again pushes us up into our head, into, into an intellectualised place, rather than moving down into the body to access our wisdom experience and allowing our body to give us um, the feedback that we need to make food choices at any one time. Mm-hmm. So I think, one, look, one of the other things that your letter writer talked about was she was talking about um, health. And um, what I find a really super interesting conversation to have is that my observation these days in our culture is that we're confusing health with appearance or body shape. And so I guess I would be probably not the first time I would meet your letter writer, but I would be asking, I'd be inquiring about whether her struggles are about health or whether they're actually about her body. Um, and appearance, because I think that really can help us to disentangle some of the mess, as you say. I love that. It's awesome. And really help her clarify what she is pursuing, um, because when we confuse health with appearance, and I think there's a lot of ways that um, marketing it very cleverly feeds into that confusion, like if we look good, you, you know the phrase, look good, feel good? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. having a conversation around, you know, is it important? How, how important is appearance to you? And maybe talking a little bit about messages maybe about appearance and body shape, maybe, um, you know, through childhood, through her teenage years, um, and to understand a little bit about her experience and her messages around what bodies quote unquote should look like particularly the body of a woman and her experience around that mm-hmm. and I think when we can you know when we can understand how we've come to believe what we have believed it's only then that we can let go so the way I think about it is I call it build up and let go so we have to really build up our skills of insight and awareness in order to let go of the shit that just is getting in our way, you know? You're saying, though, is that instead of this letter writer just, like, throwing out all these rules and then just, like, I don't know, kind of just flying by the seat of her pants and being like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, it's more of... Yeah. It, it's, it's more like 
Let's build up your awareness and your attunement and then slowly move away from all this rigidity. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, Julie, because what I've noticed is that um, we can, I mean, by we, I mean the royal we, as in, you know, dietitians and other health professionals, we tend to go down the track of, you know, I'll quote unquote, ditch the diet and, you know, um, let go of food rules and yada, yada. And that's all great. I don't disagree with that. But what I'm finding in my day-to-day work with people is that unless people have the skills and the insight and awareness to be able to strengthen their intuitive their intuitive selves then they're not they're not capable of doing that and or or it doesn't last and what happens is that they do ditch the diet they do drop all the food rules and then uh, most often what I see is kind of a, a like a fuck it you know kind of way of eating a really disinhibited um, you know there's no food rules which you know I, I see it as uh, a, a little bit of a probably a normal <laughs> stage in this process but certainly if there's no foundation there of okay what do I do instead you know, instead of these food rules, what what kind of stable, consist uh, place can I can I reach out to when I I'm noticing that I'm turning to food rules? What is my stable place that right. I can turn to yeah. to help me tune in to my body? And I mean, luckily we have it. You know, we have it. It's it's with us all the time. And that is, um, you know, when we're able to uh, access that wise part of us. And that wise part of us is not perfect. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) It's not perfect. Um, And uh, with someone like your letter writer, one thing that I would be super wary of is setting her up for another set of rules and intuitive eating becoming yet another set of rules so that maybe she's led to believe that, okay, I only eat when I'm hungry. I must stop when I'm full. I must only eat foods that leave me feeling comfortable. Da 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 da. You know, because I think your letter writer might well might be at a little bit of a risk of that. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. And I mean, nothing frustrates me more than when intuitive eating is turned into a diet, um, and I feel like it's not the way it's intended. So. When people say, you know, I can only eat when I'm hungry because I'm doing intuitive eating, what I often <laughs> yeah. am not hearing is that like compassionate, non-judgmental, um, you know, really the foundation of intuitive eating is unconditional permission to eat. So when you have that kind of rule and regulation, it's kind of missing the point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think what it does is it continues that narrative inside inside somebody that says I have to have something to follow something outside of me and although intuitive eating is an internally regulated um, um, paradigm it can still be almost taken outside of us to become something to follow and unfortunately what happens is that it doesn't actually I don't think it gets to the heart of the matter I don't think it really helps people to heal long long term and I guess as um, Hayes dietitians as you and I are I think that's it's important for us to invest time and energy in helping people have those long-term 
um, building long-term resilience against the, you know, the bullshit, the cultural crap, you know, that we're surrounded by. Um, because what I notice is when people are um, actually doing really well, in terms of um, intuitive eating, in terms of um, intuitive movement, self-care, uh, social connection, and all those things that we know are just amazing for our well-being. So often in life, you know, um, things get thrown our way, like events and uh, things like, will you be my bridesmaid? And, um, you know, Christmas and bikini season, because apparently, you know, you have to have a certain body to wear a bikini, right? You know, you can't just... Um, you can't just enjoy yourself on the beach in something that makes you feel comfortable. Hello. So when, you know, when life stuff pops up, what these skills can do is it can help us to um, help us to have resilience, you know, because life does throw some tricky stuff our way. So rather than getting knocked down at every turn, at every holiday, at every time we feel under pressure, we're able to go to that well of wisdom that resides within us, that we're able to um, call upon that part of us that is stable and predictable and consistent and, and that part of us that just really cares and, and, and wants the best for us. Um, and it, that is not concerned with how our butt looks in a bikini. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing that you're mentioning, I, I, I get the sense that you're discerning is you know, this letter writer and for a lot of people that we talk to who have all these really rigid, extreme, conflicting food rules, they're very absolute and that there's something really comfortable and probably satisfying with here's a guideline, follow this. And probably why intuitive eating turns into that same kind of absoluteness. And the thing that's really cool, but also scary about, you know, really going to your own wisdom that well, you're just, you're, you talked about is that it's always there, but it's always like, it's not an absolute thing. It's more of a flexible journey type of experience, not a, like an absolute destination, like a diet would be. And that's probably what it's beauty, but also what makes it so scary. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's what you were kind of discerning, but that's what I was hearing from what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think acknowledging, like for me, I always spend quite a bit of time acknowledging the fear um, and acknowledging that this um, feels really different, sounds really different. It actually is really different. It's actually a different way of being with food. It's a different mm -hmm. way of being with yourself. Um, and it's the greatest gift you can give to yourself is a sense of peace um, with food and with eating and with your body. Yeah. And I think it takes a very brave person, a really brave person to step into this um, to step into the unknown and to step away from, uh, you know, to step away from the absolutes and the black and white, um, the black and white kind of way of thinking. And a lot of a lot of people similar to your letter writer um, will uh, will say, "I've been like this my whole life. I've always, um, you know, they might describe themselves as perfectionists." Or, um, or what I describe as perfectionists in hiding. And these are the people who don't describe themselves as perfectionists but actually are <laughs> because what they do is they, they set such high, high um, uh, you know, impossible goals for themselves or it has to be done at this standard or don't do it at all that actually they don't even start in the first place because the, their, their goals are so lofty or their expectations are so... Uh, perfectionistic. So it's really, 
Yeah, perfectionism and the all or nothing kind of approach, it, it really, really gets in the way. So, you know, we're not trying to pull the rug um, from underneath anybody. We're not trying to take away anything. And I think, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time um, really doing a lot of reassurance, but I call it I call it reassurance without assurance. Does that make sense? Yes, like it it's, does, yeah. It's, yeah, so it's so what I don't offer, and I make this really clear, is that I don't offer one answer. I don't offer one way of doing things, one way of thinking, one way of being. My role, and if I was working with your letter writer, what I would be explaining to her is, you know, my role is to stand by you, is to support you, and to provide consistent um, support for you as you as you muddle through, you know, because it is a bit of a muddle and people feel like, oh, I shouldn't be muddling, I should be doing this perfectly, you know. If I'm going to, you know, switch teams, as they say, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, quitting the rules and um, stepping into intuitive eating land, then, you know, then I should, I need to be knowing exactly what I'm doing. And I think that, People like your letter writer, they really need some really consistent support and lots and lots of um, warmth, lots of compassion because I think the way that we are with our clients helps them be more kind and compassionate to themselves too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's they're hearing the language that they need. And, you know, the, the thing that you mentioned I think is really cool because it, you're thinking from a figurative place, this letter writer does sound like she's afraid of getting messy. You know, the, the guilt would be messy and um, making these wrong choices would be messy. Yet intuitive eating work and healing your relationship with food is messy. It's not, it's never going to be perfect because it doesn't exist. And so, you know, people like you and me, and I'm hoping she can connect with a dietitian that does similar work where she lives can provide her that space to get messy and like roll up her sleeves and get into it. And at the pace that she is able and willing and, you know, is, is right for her because it, it's, it's just going to be messy for a while. And then eventually, you know, she'll redefine what messy really is because it's probably not going to, yeah. it's going to change. So I'm wondering, um, if you have something that you would like to add, Fiona, to our Food Peace Syllabus, and if you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of blogs and books and podcasts and any other kind of resources that can further enhance one's relationship to food and maybe to like cultivate that mess for a while just to kind of get into it. Is there anything that you'd like to add to it? I would. And by the way, I love that. I love that. Cultivate the mess. I'm I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that <laughs> yeah, from now should. on. <laughs> love it. Um, yes, I do have a couple of books that I absolutely love and I recommend really consistently. The first is um, oh, just, I guess, it's the foundation of everything that we talk about and that is Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli. Um, the second one would be um, Embody by Connie Sobsack, which I absolutely love and that brings in – um, a little bit more of the um, body kindness, body compassion side of things, which I really love, and maybe your letter writer might find mm-hmm. helpful. And the third one is the Diet Survivor's Handbook by Judith Matz, which uh, I think every human being needs to read. It's just brilliant um, and is divided up into really um, easily um, digested, so to speak, uh, sections. And Judith um, and Ellen just have a beautiful 
way with words. So those are the ones I would recommend. They do have a beautiful way with words. That is such a, that book, The Diet Survivor's Handbook. I mean, I, the other two are, are great. Um, and they're, you know, in my library and I refer to them often. In The Diet Survivor's Handbook, though, you know, it came out, I think it came out in the 90s, uh, maybe even earlier than that. But yeah. it is, uh, it was definitely a pioneer and it's still so relevant today. If And I do think everyone should read it because honestly, you know, how many people have we actually met who have never been on a diet? Because I feel like it's pretty much a normal experience yeah. now. And that's one that can really help people rewrite how they want to relate to food in their body. So um, Fiona, you've been so helpful. You are so wise and you are my Australian soul sister. So, you know, I'm so glad that you took time out of your day to to talk and um and we even got to throw some F-bombs, which always makes me happy. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> is there a way if um, people want to get to know a little bit more about your work, is there um, a way for them to do that? Sure. So um, our main website is Body Positive Australia, which is just www.bodypositiveaustralia, all lowercase, all one word, .com.au. Don't forget the AU because we're Aussies, of course. Um, and then for dietitians, I have a like a, a website where there's all kinds of um, professional development and um, workshops and resources and everything to do with mindfulness, mindful eating, intuitive eating, um, and that's a space for dietitians. Dietitians, and that is called The Mindful Dietitian, and it's themindfuldietitian.com.au. So would love to uh, connect with your audience, and thank you so much, Julie, for having me. I really, really appreciate it, and I've had so much fun. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so it's really easy for people to find, and hopefully they can connect with you because I think you're providing, I don't know, just a, a point of view that is definitely needed, and um, I want, you know, I just want more people to connect with you. So have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Julie. You too. Take care. Well, letter writer, I, I hope you can appreciate from our conversation that Fiona and I feel so much compassion for what you're experiencing. We really, we really hope that you can find a way to connect to that wisdom that's inside of you. And we encourage you to somehow just turn down that volume to that brain of yours. Food has written you back. Let's hear what he has to say. But until then, please keep us posted and let us know how things are going, which things you found yourself able to experiment with, which ones you didn't find that fit you. We would just love to know a little bit more about your process and how things are going. Dear, I think I know too much. Let's sit and chat. We've noticed you are disconnected from the innate wisdom in your heart. Although knowledge is important, it is taking you away from living. It is taking you away from the joy, love, and compassion all around you and in the small yet important moments in time. We encourage you to pause. Say hello to that innate wisdom inside of you. I bet she will welcome you with open arms and say, I've been waiting for you to come back for so long. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? 
I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrg. Take care.